Today's podcast guest is Karina Ivanova, and she slid into my DMs a few years ago, and one of the first messages that me sent me said this. We connected several times through your other pages, but I just wanted to share something with you. Yesterday, I was presenting my poetry book, and someone from the audience asked me who is my favorite blogger. I talked about you, your podcast, and I even shared your TikTok story. The audience was so inspired, the idea of bridging the digital world with the spiritual, the concept that allowed me to finally become seen and share my medicine with the world. It was new to everyone, but I encouraged them to try it with their own social media spaces. If I had to choose one thing I learned from you, it would be that being in my fullest divine expression is not only safe, but it's one of the greatest things I can do for the humanity. Thank you. Wow, it's messages like this that are pure and divine reflection of how when we listen to the call and we put our sacred work out into the world, not knowing what it might result in, the ripples are always taking their own divine course. I always think about how sometimes we will hear from people who are impacted by what we're putting out there. And sometimes we will never know, but it's that daily choice to continue trusting, to continue showing up that really is a big driver of my work. So since then, Karina and I have stayed in touch. I have loved following her work. She's a musician, writer, and podcaster from Kazakhstan. And currently she's creating Jazz I Am, which is a journaling movement, community, and podcast that introduces the healing power of writing because in Kazakh language, Jezu literally means two things in Kazakh, to write and to heal. She released her first music album, Metanoia, in English two years ago. I will make sure to link to that in the show notes so that you can find Karina and listen to her music magic. And she also released a poetry book called Symbol of Surrendering Control in Russian. It's a collection of 110 poems reflections of her spiritual journey activated after a series of events such as residency at the Watermill Center, opening her Akashic records for the first time, and ending an eight-and-a-half-year relationship. Her sacred work these days is to hold space for people through writing practices and mantra chanting. Karina at the moment is offering one-on-one creative ceremonies, so you can find that link in her Instagram bio. Her Instagram is I am Karina Ivanova. And as always, you can find all of the show notes from this episode on KseniaBrief.com. Some of the things we talk about are meeting spirit while being grounded in a body, how Karina learned second language fluently. Well, for her, I guess it was the third because there's Russian, there's Kazakh, and there's English. And she's never spent an extensive amount of time in English-speaking countries, yet she speaks absolutely fluently. It's mind-blowing. It's so inspiring. What it was like growing up with a musician mom, first encounters with spirit as a small child, and how Karina's spiritual journey has unfolded from there, and how opening her Akashic Records for the first time changed everything. Karina's experience with residency at the Watermill Center in New York, making peace with your inner voice, 
trusting your creative process, pain alchemized into sacred work, music as an invitation to feel, the creative process of writing a music album, the healing power of journaling and free writing, and how to quantum leap through journaling. Towards the end, Karina shares some specific journaling prompts that I found to be so helpful. So make sure you stick around and take notes on that. Because one of the things that she shares is how to change the trajectory of your life by establishing a communication between your past self and your future self. We also talk about the incredible power of creating your own mantras and some of Karina's upcoming creative projects. Enjoy this episode and please share your takeaways on Instagram and tag Xenia.brief. And I am Karina Ivanova. I would love to hear from you. Before we begin and move into the uninterrupted episode, I want to thank the sponsor of the show, Laird Superfood. I have been on a mission to replace my oat milk obsession with a cleaner alternative. And while I love a homemade nut milk, sometimes it's just too much work. That's why I was so excited when I discovered Laird Superfood Creamer. I've been adding a tablespoon of their vanilla superfood creamer to my matcha, then blending it with a handheld frother, and the result is so creamy and delicious, no milk required. It tastes great with coffee too. The creamer has no sugary syrups, weird oils, or artificial flavors. It's super convenient on the go and has a longer shelf life than a refrigerated creamer or nut milk. The vanilla flavor comes from organic vanilla powder, and it is lightly sweetened with coconut sugar. If you prefer an unsweetened version, they have that too. Laird Superfood has a variety of creamer flavors, and all of them are gluten-free, non-GMO verified, keto-friendly, dairy-free, soy-free, and all the good things. Are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to LairdSuperfood.com slash Xenia, that is spelled L-A-I-R-D-S-U-P-E-R-F-O-O-D dot com slash K-S-E-N-I-A and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use my promo code Xenia, K-S-E-N-I-A in all lowercase at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today. Karina, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. You interviewed me for your podcast a few months ago, and it was one of my favorite conversations ever. The way that you're able to hold space, the way that you weave the different facets of creativity and healing. And what I loved about that conversation with you, that it was very palpable. There was no like a predetermined agenda or expectation. You're just like so down to be in the flow with what's here. And for me, it's so fun to create with someone like you. So here we go, this time in English, because the first conversation was so good. And I was like, should we translate it into English? I, I can't have people miss out on this. This is so good. 
But here we are. We're going to have a conversation in English now so that all our English-speaking friends around the world can listen in and get to know your heart. Wow. Thank you so much, Ksenia. It means a lot to be on your podcast now. Um, such an honor and pleasure because you have been one of my mentors when I discovered your podcast four years ago, even. Yeah, about four years ago. I was listening to it almost every day and learning from you. And Yeah, I couldn't even dream of having you on my podcast. I couldn't even dream of having my own podcast back then. And now being here myself with you, um, I'm just trying to be as, as present as I can. Because like I told you just now, I had to go for a run to kind of ground this energy because I just, I felt a lot today. And I feel like what we talked about the last time we talked, the this this fact, this realization that we are spirit in a human body, I think I felt this today really strongly. I felt my spirit. I felt spirit moving through me. And yeah, here we are. I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you for having me. Mm. What does it feel like for you? And when does that feeling come up? And how do you meet it? Um, wow this question. It's huge. And I think um, it, it took me a while to start to make sense of it. You know, the sensation, I, I would run away from it before internally. I would avoid it at all costs because it's so big. And now all, what I'm doing, what helps me to ground into my body and to fully witness the experience is to go for a run, you know, physically and to fully be with it instead of running away from it internally. And this feeling of being so aligned and also when something's coming full circle for me, this is when I feel it, you know, when I, like I told you the story uh, when I was listening to your podcast And then um, I remember I was on a plane um, back home from New York. I was listening to your podcast. When I came back home on August 23rd, I remember that I wrote in my journal, wow, I would love to have a conversation with Xenia on her podcast. I would love to be interviewed on her podcast, but that seemed so far away back then. And that didn't stop there. I asked myself the next question, but what would I want to share with her? And this is when I felt this, you know, this, this spirit moving through me. I realized that, wow, I wanted to talk about my music. I wanted to talk about writing. I wanted to talk about spirituality and all these things that I didn't even have the foundation for, the vocabulary for. A lot of vocabulary that you are using and that I'm using now, I was introduced through your podcast. And this is how I felt back then. I was like, wow, this is too much. and I could have easily run away from it internally and be like, no, I'm never going to be ready. Uh, there's just so much that needs to be done or this is impossible. But instead... What felt like too much? Um, it, it just felt overwhelming to realize that the, it, this, this possibility exists, you know? There is a potential for this to happen. A potential scenario that could um, self-actualize. And this was terrifying. I realized that I was far, 
from the person that I wanted to be when I talked to you. And this gap, I was, I was, I was like, wow, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I try to meet myself with compassion there instead of being harsh on myself, because I have this tendency of being really hard on myself um, that I, I don't compare myself now in a way that, you know, I wasn't um, the best version of myself back then, or to say that I am the best version of myself now, but instead I am a more expressed and I am a more authentic and a more aligned version of myself now. Um, so I think this is when the magic happens, when we ask ourselves the right questions. Um, and also, really, when I ask myself the right questions, this is when I feel spirit moving through me the most uh, strongly. We'll definitely be getting more into asking the right questions and journaling and how you casually started a whole journaling movement in the country of Kalustan. But before we get there, I really want to dive in with who you are and where you come from and where you grew up. I think uh, most of us, most of the people in the world have not been to Kazakhstan and have no idea what it is like. Um, <clears throat> and for my family, somehow it's actually very much woven into the texture of both sides of my family. Mm -hmm. My mom was somehow randomly born in Kazakhstan. Oh, really? Um, yes. And my dad spent many, many years working there. Mm. But that said, I have never been there myself. So you are my closest entry point to that place. And you're also a very global person. And I remember first hearing you speak English. I was like, wait, you must have lived in America. And you were like, no, no, I just kind of learned it. And it's so inspiring the way that you are so fluent. And I think for anybody who wants to learn English um, or any second language to this degree, I also just like want to know, <laughs> how did you do this? You know, not having lived here, because for me, the switch happened once I moved. Mm -hmm. And I remember first when I started recording my podcast, I would look back and I'd be like, wow, is this is what I sound like? My accent is this thick. And a lot of the times I would go to different states like Texas, where I happen to live now, mm -hmm. and I would just not even understand what people are saying with the local Southern accent. Um, so that was a lot of questions in one. Why don't we start with the language one, and then we'll dive into how you grew up and some of the first glimmers of your connection with spirit. Oh, wow. But I think um, it's all connected anyway. And um, I'm just going to be jumping from one thing to another, I think. Um, English. The first memories of me speaking English, I think um, I was about two years old when um, my sister, she, well, she's, she's a cousin. Um, she finished her high school in the States. And when she came back, she tried to teach me some English. And obviously, uh, my first words were very simple since I couldn't even, well, I did speak Russian, my native language back then already, but um, something like, you know, Apple and school and um, numbers. So very simple things. And then um, I actually got my first C at school um, in one of my English assignments. 
So when I came back home with this C, I told my mom, um, so I got this C, I need extra English classes because I wanted to learn. And my mom is a musician, so she would um, often uh, play me jazz. You know, we had some CDs at home um, and jazz and rock music, all in English. And I just really wanted to understand what those people were singing about um, because I was really enjoying it, the sound of the language. So um, I asked my mom to just sign me up for some extra courses. And she did. And, but I think what really catalyzed this language learning journey for me was becoming a part of Kelt, which was Kazakhstan English Language Theater, where we had um, a director, Nathan Fleming, who was American. And I was, um, he invited me to, um, to become part of the theater because he saw me perform in a panto. I was actually a March Hare in an Alice in Wonderland panto in one of the English, English schools here. I auditioned for Juliet because he was about to start Romeo and Juliet production. And yeah, I ended up uh, becoming a Juliet and we were rehearsing six days a week for three months. And we, we could only speak English with Nathan. And, you know, during the rehearsals, we spoke English with each other. And after that, when, when, we, when we performed, I, Nathan left the country. He left um, for China. And I stayed in the theater in a group to lead theater games, uh, drama games for local people. Um, those were weekly uh, drama games. And yeah, I would just lead them in English for seven years. What are drama games? Oh wow, that's I don't know. We just <laughs> you just have fun. Um, you act. Is it like improv? It's it's not like. Um, it was nothing serious, really. It was just a lot of fun, and yes, improv games. And I think this is what really helped me to become more expressed, like I said, because in in that space of kilt, I just wasn't scared to be who I am. And um, I wasn't scared that somebody would laugh at me, which I think had always been my biggest fear. And sometimes I think still is that people would laugh at me. I don't know why. And I think this is where, this is this was the safest place to overcome that because it's just, you're, you're just laughing all the time. You're having fun. So there was Kelt and then I myself directed two plays. Um, it was an adaptation of Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew, um, adaptation to modern English language, and also a play by American playwright. It was Café du Monde. Charles Me was the name of the playwright. Yeah, so I think Celt was major um, in that language learning game for me. And another thing is I started singing in bars when I was 14. <laughs> I, I, I was singing with a band and then later on my own with just my acoustic guitar. Um, and this place where I was born and where I lived until 2021, really, um, Atarao, my hometown, 
um, the western part of Kazakhstan near the Caspian Sea, um, is famous for this oil oil industry, oil and gas industry. Um, there's a lot of companies and, and expats who work here. And um, whenever I played in bars, at least one expat would come up to me and, and, and would start talking to me in English. And at first I wouldn't really understand them because the acts, their accent varied as well. There were, there were many people um, from different parts of the world. And I really wanted to have conversations uh, with them. And I just felt so upset that I couldn't say what I really wanted to say back to them, you know. So I think this desire to have proper conversations with people was what drove my um, learning and also the desire to understand what what people sing about. I wanted to understand the lyrics and then later I decided to write lyrics myself. So it's 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 all interwoven um, together. Mm. I have a feeling that your mom will be coming up more in this conversation because it sounds like she was a massive influence mm -hmm. being a musician. I always am so amazed and inspired by people who grew up with very creative families and to see the kind of inner permission for self-expression mm. that that in a lot of cases may create the circumstances for and like performing at bars at 14 at 14 I was so busy like looking at myself in the mirror and trying to lose weight and like just trying to be noticed that being on a stage like that sound would have sounded absolutely terrifying but also you were on stage and so early on you were directing so you were in a leadership role so for me it's just so fascinating like learning all these pieces of the puzzle and see how as a creative person it all makes sense like they're mm, all weaving yeah. what you're creating now yeah i'm really grateful to my mom that she allowed me to um, start singing in bars when I was 14 because the greatest thing was that um, all the people I ever played with, um, they're my mom's friends. Um, and she would sometimes go to, well, when I was 14, she would go to all these bars with me. Um, and yeah, we would just all be there. And 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 yeah, I, I played for them and I played I, and I sang for my mom and we would have conversations after, you know, we would and she was um she wasn't saying that i she never said that i couldn't try something that i really wanted to do um she would always say well you can you can try and if you don't like it you can always try something else so i'm really grateful um to her for that and as for directing i was i was 16 when i um Wow. became one of the leaders of <laughs> Kelt here in Atarau. Uh And we were a group of um, Kelt leaders here. And we decided to do um, this Shakespeare play because theater, Kelt, Kelt theater here um, in Kazakhstan, well, in Atarau mostly, it was famous for adaptations of Shakespeare plays. Um, and I think I just wanted to, I just wanted to try again. I, I felt really curious how how it would feel again feel uh, to be in Nathan's shoes uh, to and, and to try a role of a leader and what I would learn 
along the way and I think it turned out really well we um and I and I also want to thank Nathan because it's it's interesting how some communities may be built around one person and then when that one person leaves the community may no longer exist um, and this is not a case for um, Kelt um, so whenever the next leader arrives it, it just it just keeps um, it just keeps growing the community of this particular theater um, and I think you also asked me before my first encounter with spirit my first how, how did you say that um, what it was like growing up in Kazakhstan and okay some of the first times you remember being aware of being more than a human body? I think pretty early. Um, but I grew up in a family where we actually never talked spirituality or religion. So it was also a really um, safe space to explore. Um, but I remember I was like, I was about four. I remember myself sitting in, in darkness in my room just looking out the window and thinking, wow, like, what am I doing here? <laughs> it's so funny to think back now, but I really had those thoughts. What am I doing here? Why are we here? Who's watching me? I remember having all these thoughts and not able to find any answers. And I, I remember I told myself that I would at least try to, to find those answers. So I was about four. Um, but religion was never an option for me. And when I was about 12 or 13, I think I discovered mantras um, on the internet. And I think my mom, um, yeah, when I was about 12, my mom started chanting a little bit. So um, I got into mantras, but I I feel like internally I had this resistance because because of all these external religious influences that mantras um, it, it was just something too woo woo for for this place um, and my mom is an Orthodox Christian but she was still practicing mantras so for me um, I was trying to make sense of it like is it even possible to practice two different religions at the same time. And again, my mom, um, she never, she never said that we should choose just one thing. So I think this is how my, um, my concept, my personal concept of spirituality, um, has formed that I, I just learned a lot from different modalities and, and, and spiritual teachings, um, reading scriptures and, um, just exploring and and feeling what resonated in my body, what what was lighting me up, you know. When I when I got excited about a mantra or a certain prayer or a certain story from the Bible, I was just like, I know deep inside of me that this is the truth for me, and 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 all these people, all these pieces were coming um, together somehow. What I want to emphasize is that you said that you grew up with no religion, yet your mom is Christian Orthodox. And for me, it was the same way. My mom, my sister, and me we were baptized Christian Orthodox, even though we're mm -hmm. Jewish. But we didn't grow up with any religious conversation, really. 
maybe once in a while and like Easter, Orthodox Easter, we would go and light a candle, you know, and mm. that would just be like a beautiful ritual, like a candle for the health of our grandpa or something like that um, in a very casual way. And I think in a lot of post-Soviet countries, that's how it is. Everybody or big part of the population is baptized Christian Orthodox, but it doesn't really mean anything. It's like a cultural thing rather than spiritual or religious. Mm -hmm. I was also baptized, but it was my choice um, in 2013, I think. But I, looking back, I think it was my first um, conscious attempt to become more spiritual. And this was the only way I think I knew back then how to do it. But in Kazakhstan, the majority of population is Muslim. Um, and I grew up with my grand um, great grandmother, who was Muslim, and she was reading Quran, and she was praying. And she was really an example of a really uh, pure believer. So um, I saw that um, side of the coin, and I also saw how my, you know, my, the dedication to the Orthodox Christianity of my mother. So it 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 was just all it was just all together, and there was no separation. I think this is I think this is the key thing that I um, can notice here is that there has never been any separation between all these modalities these they were all just ways of ex exploring and i they would just open doors for me to explore and no, nobody ever forced me into any of them mm. what's interesting is that around the age when you got baptized so you were about 16 right yeah that's when i was starting to because i was already baptized so that would not have been a way for me to materialize my interest in mysticism and spirituality as the only person in my, in my family who seemingly was like seeking that connection mm -hmm. with the unnameable. And I got really interested in Buddhism and there was like a hot second where I thought maybe I should convert to Buddhism, like go mm -hmm. to India, spend time in ashrams, the whole thing. Yeah. And down the line, I did end up going to India and at the time it was a pilgrimage to all these sacred sites with one of my yeah. spiritual teachers. And even back then I still felt very uncomfortable with the word God. And I mm. thought that there was something intricately so religious and dogmatic about it. And now that I have had this space to explore both different religions, but also, um, just my own consciousness through plant medicines, I feel like that's when everything kind of just broke for me, like all the walls between all these different, seemingly different concepts. And it all became one thing of, okay, this leaf over there is God. This crystal is God. Right. I am God and God is in every thought and breath. And it's in every single thing in and outside of me. Mm. Wow. I think for me, um, I I've been I've always been interested in um, Hinduism. I've never been to India. I haven't been to India yet, but um, I've always been interested in, in in Hinduism and especially mantras. But I think it all changed for me when I opened up my Akashic records for the first time, because this is when I felt what I knew deep inside me 
from my entire life. I just felt all this presence. I just, I just saw, I started seeing the world differently. Like quite literally my, I think my vision got, my, my vision got sharper. It got better. Um, and it's just never been the same. Okay. Can we just hear the full story? How did you come across the Akasha crackers? What is it about them that drew you in? And did you do it by yourself? Did somebody else do it for you? Um, and what were you seeking? What were you seeking the answers to? Wow, I don't even know where to start. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think 2019 was the year when I, I, I actually started acting towards some transformations in my life because for a long time, I felt like I was um, suppressing my emotions. I didn't allow myself to fully express myself. And um, in 2019, I was selected to participate in, um, in an artist residency at the Watermill Center, which is Long Island, New York. And when I and I had always been dreaming of you know, going to the States, um, and I really wanted to go to New York my entire life. I just felt so connected to um, the United States, to the land. And when I came to Watermill. The land was just something entirely different from what I experienced. The, the experience of stepping on the land, um, on, on the ground, and the flower garden where I was working, and this whole process of surrendering all the control that, you know, I'm, I, I was a control freak, and there was nothing really that I could control in there. And being in the garden for the first two weeks 10, 10 hours a day just planting flowers then you know being in a in a group of people um, from from all over the world all the beautiful souls and and, and, and I, I just I think that that experience changed something in me that especially the the fact that we had to slow down the so Bob Robert Wilson he his entire intention for this residency is the art of slowing down. Yes, it's a residency. Yes, it's a, a artistic lab. But what what's really happening in there is you're slowing down. You're allowing yourself to feel. You're connecting with all these people on some unimaginable soul level. You're being yourself and you are just so present with what is. And I think this was the first time. And you're planting seeds physically and metaphorically yes. all day yes. long. Yes, because we were preparing the grounds for the gala, the, the main event that's, that happens every summer. And I think we, yeah, we, we, we were planting every single day. Um, and that was a new experience for me. And when I came back home, I felt this shift that I just wasn't who I was before I left. Um, and I realized I wanted to, to change something in my life, but I didn't know where to start. And as we know, when intentions are planted, things and people and opportunities appear and, and teachers appear on our paths. Um, that's when um, a Reiki master um, appeared for me and so she was creating a community um, 
for people for for people who were seeking healing and she was facilitating reiki um meditations um and we were we were able to discuss our experiences and on one of the sessions she introduced us to akashic records and just when i heard just when i heard this the akashic records something something just resonated so deeply i just felt this spark that i wanted to explore that topic deeper and i i don't remember how i found this book by linda howe back then i and i just um one evening i just opened the records with the opening prayer and i just felt this avalanche of ideas of emotions visions of things i i i just that was just so much i felt like this space was waiting for me for so long that in that one night i don't remember how much i wrote down i was i just kept writing i was writing for like three hours i was writing down all the ideas all the thoughts that were popping up in my head and i saw things um and so i made some connections to you know why certain things had to happen why i had to meet certain people you know all of that my entire life suddenly made sense in one evening and i couldn't explain that and that was the first night when um several guides appeared in my records and two of them said that i'm gonna be writing and i'm gonna start a podcast that's what i heard you're gonna start a podcast soon and I remember I closed the records and I was like, no way I'm going to start a podcast. Like this is, this, this isn't possible. Like, what am I going to talk about? And, but I wrote that down. I still, I still have all these writings in, in, in my mother's home. And I was just opening the records for 30 days straight because I just, I was so hungry for, um, learning more about myself. Um, and I felt like I found, I finally found that thing and i was looking for my entire life that would tell me who i was what i was here for <laughs> so okay the akashic records are a library of your soul's journey through different human lives that's one way to look at it and i would love to know more like is it something particular you learned about your past lives that suddenly made sense for you now it is, is it your dharma and some of your assignments for this lifetime? Do you remember what the specifics were that kind of just clicked it all in and made you feel so clear? Um, I think it was just knowing, you know. Um, I think it took me a while to um, actually start seeing things clearly or more or less clearly um, because I had to, I think I had to believe in what I knew and in what I was hearing before I could actually see who was talking to me and all these visions from past lives or parallel lives. But what I, I knew, I just knew it deep down inside. I can't explain that. You, you, can't, you can't really logically explain what the Akashic records are. Um, but I, I did see um, some past lives and I started seeing angels after about a couple of months after 
um, I first opened the Akashic Records. So it's, um, I never, I, I don't really um, share about this um, because that's, that's not really what you say when you first meet someone, but it's just miraculous to witness every day when you see someone and you see um, two or three angels around them. I want to know about this. Hey, <laughs> what do they look like? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe the way I see them is the way I perceive them. You know, the, the, the way they, the image of angels in my mind is this how they appear to me, that I see them in this classical angelic form. Mm. And it's, it's so funny how when me and my mom are having conversations and we're all we're sometimes worried about something and she's worried about something and i casually say that but you know there, there are two angels around you now they're 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 hugging you and and sh and it's it's always it's just so supportive to know so i think i i always wanted to see um things and i i as i see them now um it helps me to never forget what this entire experience is really like that we're not separated the physical world isn't separated from the spirit world and it's it's just all it's just all together happening at the same time hmm. is there any other entities you've started seeing besides angels um when i open the records yes I re i'm really i'm feeling really connected to pleiadians and this is interesting because I discovered Ashley, Ashley from um, Align Within from your podcast, and I started listening to her podcast. And um, I, I later joined her community and took her course on how to read the Akashic Records with the pinnacle that she teaches, um, which is a very Pleiadian perspective on the Akashic Records. And yeah, the galactic beings. I think I, I think I found. I think what I was looking for was this feeling of home within me. And now I can make sense um, of your question. When you, when you said what you were looking for, I think I was looking for this feeling of home because I was homesick um, my entire life. I just felt homesick for something else, for some other place where I belonged. And I found that in the records when I, I felt like I belonged somewhere and I found this home um that i can always access that it, it's just it's within me the memories of all the past and parallel lives are within me and i can and i can access that and i don't have to search ex externally and it's it's another thing i think that um really helped me with uh it's funny the language learning is um i mostly receive all the messages in english which is interesting and i think um really helped me to to, to learn the vocabulary, to, to dive even deeper into that. So yeah, Akashic Records, that's, that was before and after in my life. Do you offer it to other people or is it part of your own personal creative process only? I do that um, once in a while uh, when somebody really feels cold to have their records read. Secret. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's, it's still... I don't know. Um, I I love doing that, but I I just not not many people still know about the records. But when it comes up in conversations, 
whenever I mention that and, and somebody gets curious and asks me to read their records, I, you know, I do that with pleasure. How do you say it in Russian? Chroniki Akashi. Chroniki Akashi. Okay. So that plane ride from New York, when you planted the seed of being on this podcast, now we hear full circle. Um, I love that you mentioned that there was part of you that is like, wait, but there's all these things I want to create before we can sit down and have an enjoyable conversation. Um, there's also the voice of, okay, gentleness and self-compassion, which I think mm-hmm. like finding the balance between the two is, has been life's work for me as well. I didn't even know it until I started working with my mentor, but I had some really mean girl voices in there oh, yeah. to myself, like just wanting to produce and hustle and create and last few years has been a lot of unwinding that and releasing and remembering that my worth doesn't come from external accomplishments, external successes, number of podcast downloads, number of TikTok views, all of that. Like all of that can exist and be really playful and create its own miraculous ripples. But me being worthy is just an intricate part of human experience. Um, so I see. I want to hear what's coming up here. I had a question there, but I want to hear what's coming yeah. up. Um, just hearing this is healing, really, because um, this voice, I still have this voice. Um, and I think this is the reason, this voice is the reason why I created all this journaling movement um, and community. And now it's it's also a podcast that I just want to support people who also have and many of us, I think, have this voice within ourselves that is not compassionate and isn't gentle. And we're just learning how to communicate with it and becoming, and we're becoming kinder to ourselves. Um, and and it's not like it never comes back again, but every time it does come back, or every time it appears again, we're just learning to surrender a bit deeper and deeper and deeper and i love this feeling i actually learned to love when this voice comes back i'm like okay this is an invitation to dive even deeper so so all this um spiral healing and spirals it's just been uh the theme of the past four years for me definitely as well thanks for saying that Mm. What I'm curious about is when you landed back and you were present to, okay, there's all these things I'm meant to create in the world. Yes. Part of it was this surrender of, I know that the right teachers will appear, the right opportunities will appear, but also in the earthly realm, there probably was very specific actions that you took. So where did you begin? What did you do? How did you start writing your new story? I think, you know, it's interesting how it started um, a little earlier. It started in um, the spring. That's when I said I started listening to your podcast. And I was journaling one of the days. And I just wrote in my journal that I, 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 I wanted to work with a talented musician, with, with, with a musician who was dedicated to music and who could produce music for me, who could produce an album for me, um, or who I could just work with on the music that I wanted to create. And again, 
I think for me, this, the second question always, or the second, no, the question that comes after I write something down is the key to actually creating a, a plan on the earthly realm. So I asked myself, but what am I going to show to the person if, if, if he or she appears on my path? I have no material. I have no songs. I should start writing a song. And I remember clearly that I wrote down, I need to be ready for this meeting. So, mm. so I, the entire spring of 2019, I was doing free writing every day, um, some songwriting exercises, and I started writing songs because I just, I just felt like I had accumulated a lot of um, emotional experience that I wanted to share, but also stories, um, a lot of stories that I wanted to share. And so I was writing the entire spring. And by the end of May, I think I had six drafts. Yeah, six, six songs that were still drafts. And then in July, about five days before I had to leave to the States, somebody slides into my DMs. And we, we kind of knew about each other, but we never met. We never communicated. We were following each other on Instagram for ages just liking each other's posts, but never connected. And he just randomly texts me and says, hi, Karina, I've been following you for a while and I've, I've seen your music. I just came back from studying um, in the States. I just came back home to, my, to our hometown. He knew I was from the same city. Would you like to meet for coffee and, and just talk about music? Maybe we could write something together. So that was that was so random. We met and he's like, yeah, maybe we could record some covers or, you know, something. And I said, no, we're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna make an album together because that was my intention in March. You know, I, I know that, that this is you that I was preparing for a meeting. And I, I have this in my journal, you know, I, I almost showed that to him and he was like, wow, you have your songs. Yes. Let's, let's record, let's record an album. But then I was, I was about to leave, so we couldn't start right away. And then this is when I came back and um, I can start from your question now. I come back, <laughs> I asked myself, what would I share with Xenia? And I realized that I really wanted to record. I really want to do this. I really want to record this album with Dias, the name of um, this guy that I was just talking about. And I text him back. And I said, yeah, let's let's do it because it took me a while to, to think about it because it, again, felt too big of an adventure to embark on back then um, because I I had this fear of failure. You know, what, what if we never finish it? And in 2020, I had to really exercise this patience um, with, with how it was um, all happening with the album because we took breaks and we... Sometimes we didn't see each other for months and all this process, it was just, it was a pretty spiritual process. Um, so yeah, when I, when I realized I wanted to talk about my music, I wanted to talk about a poetry book that I wanted to write. I wanted, and also I think I had this, when I was listening to um, your guests or some other podcasts, guests i was th they all had one thing in common what i've noticed 
I felt like all of them have overcome something. And they turned this pain into something really meaningful, into the, their sacred work or into this way of serving other people. And I felt like I didn't have that back then. And I thought, okay, I want to talk about something that I have overcome that led me to creating this sacred work of my life that helps other people. So these were three things. And I really think that Jazaim, this, um, this project that started in 2021, so almost two years later, is, is that third thing that I'm talking about. And those action steps, they were really small. You know, the, the music album, go to the studio. Uh, sometimes we would want, we would look at look through all the you know sounds for certain instruments. I think um, one of the records that we have is we were searching for a specific sound for one instrument for two or three months. Wow. Yeah, just being patient with all of that, going to the studio and then in okay, so with the poetry book, um, I would open my Akashic Records every evening and I would start writing poetry in my Akashic Records. Whatever I was hearing, I would write that down. So I was writing a lot. I just started writing a lot. And I think writing really helped me to process everything I was feeling, process my emotions, and to just make sense of what I was feeling, of what I was experiencing. And it's interesting how I, I told this uh, to you before that Jazaim comes from the Kazakh word Jazu, which in Kazakh it means two things. It means to heal and to write. Um, so two verbs. One, one, one word means two things in, in Kazakh. So basically this entire concept of healing through writing is, is just so natural to human beings, I think. I want to get into the specific guidance and methodologies that dropped into you and how you started sharing with people. But before we get there, I also want to drop in deeper with the album. What was your intention behind recording and releasing an album? What did it feel like once it was out? And what advice do you have to someone who has a song that they have recorded and produced and, and are a little bit scared to release? Ooh. Okay. I'm pointing at myself oh, <laughs> if you're not okay. watching the video. <laughs> well, question number one. Um, I was feeling like I had a lot of emotions that I didn't allow myself to feel. And when I was writing those songs, I could, fi I could finally observe all these feelings, all the emotions that were coming up and sit with them because I could not not sit with them because I was in the studio writing and you know, choosing the sounds and discussing all these songs with Dias, the producer. You paid for studio time, might as well do something with it. I actually didn't pay for it. That's amazing because, yeah, Dias, Dias uh, voluntarily agreed to produce 
the album and we were collaborators, equal collaborators. He also composed some parts. And yeah, uh, we were just using his studio for two years and he allowed me to do that for free. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's so important to know that as artists, as creators, sometimes you think that it's the money and material access that is preventing you from expressing your your story, your voice, your gifts with the world. But once we surrender that and we call in the right people, they might slide into your DMs and have a studio for you for two years to use and be a producer at the same time. So thank you for creating that possibility for mm-hmm. everybody in every way possible. Yeah, I, I'm glad I said that, but I never, t- I never took that for granted. Um, whenever I, I was coming to the studio to co-create, I just, every time I felt so grateful that we could do that together. And the way he was holding space for me, it's just unbelievable. I think he's, a, um, he was able to, I don't know how to say that. He could like take the sound out of my head and into the Logic Pro program on his computer. It just sounded exactly the way I was hearing it in my mind. But I just didn't know the program back then. Now I do because I spent two years next to him co-creating. But back then I was just I was just so amazed by how just talented he was. And it's not just about being able to technically use the program. It's just it's also about being able to tune into what I was trying to say, what what I was feeling when I was singing it, when I was writing it. So I think this entire album is a huge invitation to feel all your emotions. I was suppressing the so-called quote-unquote negative emotions, right? I was scared to feel them. But with this album, I just felt so liberated that I could feel everything I feel and, and, and know that I am safe to feel. And I was receiving a lot of messages from people who were telling me that when they um, listened to particular songs, they felt something like something came up for them that they were suppressing, you know, that they didn't want to look at. They didn't want to sit with that feeling. But as they were listening, sometimes they would say they were crying or they were remembering something important or, you know, just something would happen that would open their heart a little bit more that would allow them to feel a little deeper. And that was, um, that was something that I've gone through myself that was the space that I created within myself that I'm just with this album, I'm inviting all these people to experience. Um, and yeah, I think it was, it was, it is an invitation to feel everything and not be afraid of our emotions. Um, but I think we were, we, we, we definitely subcon we were subconsciously, um, scared of releasing the album because, um, we were going to release it in 2020 in late February. And that's when all this COVID situation started. And we realized that we wouldn't be able to do that. And we couldn't even meet for several months um, to continue the work, to finish the work. And 
I we had about seven songs by 2020. And during the quarantine, I wrote three more. And when I sent them to Diaz, he was like, okay, now I understand why we just couldn't release it mm -hmm. earlier. Now it feels complete. And these three songs, um, they are the last three songs on the album. These are, those are the feelings that I was feeling, you know, during the, when, when all this 2020 was happening. Um, everything that I experienced and was feeling and processing and going through, I, I put that into those songs and it does really feel complete now. So we could have easily pushed ourselves and, 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 and told ourselves, you know, we, we set this deadline in advance. We're, we're going to do this right on this date because it was a beautiful date, the 20th of February of 2020, you know, because that's what we wanted to do, you know, with, in, in our, in our minds, but then it just didn't feel right. And when those three songs were born, something clicked, but it took us another year almost to fully polish all these songs and, and, and release the album. And in about a week from now, on June 25th, it's going to be two years since it was actually, um, it was released. And what would I say to someone who's scared of releasing their songs? We were polishing the songs for several months, but I think they were ready. I think they were actually ready by December of 2020. But it took us another half a year to sort of prepare emotionally and mentally that it's just going to be out in the world and it's just at one point we thought what we're just we're trying to make it better and better and better to sound better but at some point it just starts to sound worse like we're not making it any better it's just accepting that this song or this album is as good as it is and it and it has the right to exist in the world just the way it is just the way it it it, it has been created and it doesn't have to get any better it deserves to be heard and people deserve to hear it and whenever i was feeling like my album like nobody needs my art nobody needs this album nobody needs my music but then I get all these messages from people who say that just hearing one song from the album helped them feel something or helped them remember something or helped them overcome something I realized that it's not it was never mine to keep in the first place I can't keep it to myself we sharing is part of the journey and it just feels so much better when we release it and and it starts its own journey into the world yeah i hear that and i'm with you and i feel that way around content or podcasts mm -hmm. like there's no perfection once it's out it's out and it's there at the perfect time reaching the perfect people yeah 
But something about this song, because I spent so many years being afraid to share my voice in a musical way, I'm not singing, it's a spoken word, but it's still, I'm considering it a song. And so for me, it's poetry that I wrote. It's just so vulnerable and it encapsulates so many aspects of me that I feel like I haven't allowed to be seen on such a deep level. The story that I'm telling myself is that it will be a lot more impactful if I wait and make an amazing music video to go with it. Because with visuals, it will like have a whole other life of its own and have a bigger impact. But on the other hand, it's like, I know I'm sitting on it and I'm robbing people from feeling something and I'm robbing myself from that freedom that you feel once you release a piece of art into the world. Um, so that's where I'm at, but it's, it's finished. Like no doubt it's done. I worked with the most amazing producer that came in the most easeful and graceful way. And it's definitely done. And the first time I remember when she sent it to me, Reggie Riverbear, who's been a guest on the podcast, I was secretly inviting a lot of producers onto my podcast to feel into whether they're the one to produce my song. And when I had a conversation with her, I knew, okay, she's the one done. And when she sent me the song after a couple of, I don't remember how long it took to produce it, maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months. But when I got that master mix, I remember laying down in the darkness of the night, just on the floor. Cause I knew so much would come up. I, I'm like, I just need to be down on the ground. I was laying down with my eyes closed and I put my headphones in and I'm listening to the song and I was just crying. I was so deeply moved. It was almost an out of self experience because I was receiving the medicine that I had channeled through that song that is for myself and beyond myself. And I know that it is, it's definitely meant to be heard, but there's still, I guess the fear is something that you've pointed to earlier is, somebody laughing at it or judging it. (laughs) And it's so interesting because that's not something that come up with any other type of content I create from videos to photos to podcasts. But somehow, because this is such a new territory for me, there's still a little bit of that fear. I think you just said that yourself. It's, It's a new territory. And this is so normal to feel that. But once you step onto that new territory, it doesn't feel unfamiliar anymore. But it's just one step of hitting publish. And yeah, but it's so worth it. I feel like there might be actually some answers in journaling for me that will help me connect deeper to, okay, is this actually meant to come out? Now, Mm -hmm. I feel like it does, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but there's a deeper connection to intention Mm -hmm. for it that is possible for me through journaling. So I want to know everything about your way of journaling and how you share it with people and uh, how it might apply to me in this situation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I think I, I, I truly experienced everything that you're saying i i wanted to release it and i didn't at the same time and when i was journaling i realized that i i was scared um that one nobody would listen to it second first thing nobody would listen second everybody would listen to it and it would just become this 
next big thing in the world. And I didn't know what I was scared of more. And I think back then, I was even more scared of um, everybody hearing it and making their own opinion about it. And so, yeah, and I, 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 I found it when I was writing about it, when I, when I tried to tell myself, okay, but what if I, if I don't release it, how I'm feeling? And I told myself, okay, you are totally allowed not to release it. Diaz won't be upset. He will understand. He'll be like, okay, we spent two years writing this, but okay. <laughs> If you don't want to release it, we're not going to do that. You are allowed not to release it. That's what I had to tell myself. Because I felt like I wasn't allowed to keep it to myself. And then second, I wrote, but if you are releasing it, how are you feeling? So these two choices were about feelings for me. And I tried to explore the emotions and feelings that I was feeling if I picked one of them. So the first one, I felt contraction. I'm not releasing it. Not, no one's going to hear it. It's just going to be mine forever. It's okay, but I feel contracted. I feel upset. I want to cry. It's not what I came here for or it's not what I've come so far for and the second one I'm releasing it and I felt so expanded my mind suddenly started presenting me with all these images of the concerts that I would play all the um, people that would be at those concerts all the all the hearts that I would get to touch. I, I kind of saw people in wearing their headphones. And I saw, I remember seeing some images of people who listened to a particular song and then went to hug a loved one or then went somewhere and changed something about their life, like a ripple effect that you always talk about. So in my mind... I, and for me, that's um, what I really know about myself. When I love thinking about something, when I love imagining the, the, all the ripple effects in this entire situation, it, 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 it gets me excited and it is aligned for me. So that second option, it just, feel, it just felt really aligned. But um, I was holding back because I had no control over where it would go. I had no control who would listen to it. Um, what kind of opinion they would have about it, whether they would text me um, um, hateful comments or not. You know, all these things that I couldn't control, I had to just release. And for me, that's what I always do. I, I write about two options and then I meditate on both, trying to feel how it would feel if I picked that option. Um, and really writing down everything that comes out because it helps to help. It helps the mind to um, to calm down a little bit because the mind is trying to create all the scenarios, and it's not possible to think through all the scenarios. But when the mind sees that we're at least um, 
seeing some possibilities, it, it, it calms down a little bit. And we're, after we write down, we come back to the body and trying to feel um, rather than trying to think about it. So for me, it's always about a feeling. But free writing is uh, my favorite thing to do in the morning and right before I go to bed. Um, I've been journaling for 15 years now, every day. And it's it's been it's been profound. I mean, my memory has improved because I remember everything that happens to me. I remember all the dates. I remember I just remember everything, and I can make connections. Do you go back for your entries? Sometimes. Um, so I just came to visit my mom in my childhood home, and I have about thirty or forty diaries here, um, and. The other day, I just started rereading them, and it's so funny. Um, a, a few years ago, I think seven or eight years ago, I was writing my vision for twenty twenty three, and you won't believe it, but I, I was I was scared to um, to 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 read it because I felt I didn't I didn't remember exactly what I wrote down, and I felt like oh my god, I'm gonna be am I going to be disappointed now or am I going to be surprised or what, what? And I was really surprised with how many things took a form that was maybe a little different from what I envisioned eight years ago, but it was a, an even more beautiful form, truly. And I was just telling my mom about this conversation um, with you tonight and I told her, I only wanted an interview with Xenia, but so many other things appeared that I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> um, I learned so much. Um, I met so many amazing people. Um, I, I experienced so many things. So it's it just whatever we write, whatever we want, it it just always comes in a better form. Mm. Wow. So it sounds like the questions that are down for journaling that I'll be sitting with is, how will I feel if I do release this on? How will I feel if I don't release? And for me, it's not so much about ever releasing it. I know I will. I think the aspect that comes in that's like really screaming at me really loud right now is the divine timing also, just how you trusted it with your album. Mm -hmm. And then there's three more songs that came through and they were meant to be part of it. And for me, what I wrote down in all caps after those two questions is yes, video. Yes, don't release it until there's a video, but don't hold yourself up. Like do what needs to be done to get that video going. So that's my homework. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, it's been on my board, like I have a surrender to God list of like the bigger kind of projects and things where it's not today, it's not this week, it's not this month, it's not when I have time. It's like, Okay, I'm putting this on the altar and I'm going to allow it to come together when it's meant to. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're going to Hawaii. We're going to Kauai Island mm, next wow. week for our baby. And maybe I find an amazing videographer there and we create something Absolutely. together. So I'm just opening myself up to that possibility because I know video is meant to be part of it. And it's interesting how I haven't even sat down to answer the questions, but I'm already getting the clarity. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Yes. So it's like you said, it's asking the question, right. asking the right question. Yes. And I'm curious when you invite 
other people into this work as the journaling queen of Kazakhstan and beyond. Is there like a format that you follow? Are there certain questions that you always guide people into? Or what's the process? <sighs> wow. I'm just so glad you said that, that when we take a moment to slow down and really be present, and whether we write this down or not, the clarity comes to us. Um, but when we write this down, we have a visual note to return to and, re and a visual reminder, right, um, of who we were and where we're heading. And um, yes, uh, Jazaim has well, has developed a specific structure, but it there's also um, a free flow within the structure because we haven't touched on this, but I'm a manifesting generator and I need um, a lot of freedom. If I'm doing one thing, I need a lot of freedom within that one thing. Otherwise, I just can't focus. Um, and But one thing that is always present um, during design sessions is free writing and free writing in, in levels, if I, if I can say that. So the first one is really writing down everything that's on your mind. Um, I always say that if you forgot to buy milk or buy something, write this down or like write everything that's coming up because sometimes we can't hear our the clear thoughts or the, the clear ideas, the, the authentic ideas that are true to our soul, that are aligned, we just can't hear them because of this um, noise of all these daily thoughts that we're having. Just write everything down. And did you forget to buy milk? I don't drink milk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no. But I, I write this down. I have all the lists and... <laughs> I love this. Um, I love playing with time. And I, when people say that they don't have time to write, I normally set a timer for four or five minutes. And and then I ask people whether that time frame felt like it was too long or it was too short. And it's just interesting to see that people have different answers all the time. Sometimes it feels like a long time, even five minutes. Sometimes it feels like they had too many thoughts and it passed too quickly and sometimes it's just enough and i invite people to explore their relationship with time um because i can't tell anybody that you should journal for 20 minutes or you should journal for however long you know i can't i can't say that exactly because every, each person's relationship to time is different and three minutes to someone might be enough and 30 minutes might not be enough to others. And, uh, but we start with five minutes and then I ask people to look at what they wrote and just feel how their voice sounds, their tone of voice, how they, how they speak about ourselves, how they talk about their lives, how, how they, how they talk about people, what, what, what are they saying? And, I ask them to to um, to feel into their voices, and the second level would be write about the same thing, but in a more compassionate way, 
um, like a, from a higher self perspective or a loving parent perspective. So reframing the, the narrative, um, reparenting ourselves and creating new ways of how we speak to ourselves, creating new patterns in our nervous system. And I thought working with my nervous system through writing would take too much time. But I, when I just actually started putting an effort into it, just rewriting these stories that no longer serve me, it, it can happen really quickly. It, we can just, we sometimes can quantum leap into a different experience just because we invited a, a new perspective, a new way of talking with ourselves. And one of the intentions for Jazaim is helping people establish this more compassionate inner voice, make it louder, um, allow it to be expressed um, and, and, and trust it and trust that whatever it is saying is true. Um, and we are allowed to act upon this inner voice. Um, second, second part of Jazaim, it normally varies. Um, I, I do different exercises. One of the things, uh, one of the exercises that I love, it, it really helps with my songwriting as well. And it's very simple. Um, we just draw two lines, the, the horizontal and the vertical on the page. So you divide the page into four parts. Um, and in one, you write, um, saw in the other one did heard and number four varies. Um, so I write down five to 10 things I saw did heard that day. And number four, I have options. So I, I invite people to either write down what they smelt so that we can really tune into the senses, the, into the body. Or I also um, make lists of ideas that I had on that day. And also I write down the names of people that popped up, to, popped up in my head for no reason. Because I think it's really important to take note of that. At the end of the day, I look at this list and I realize, okay, I should probably text this person. We haven't been in touch for a while. I don't know why. Maybe we should have a conversation and something comes up in that conversation. Or maybe I can just send loving thoughts to that person before I go to bed. Or maybe it's um, it's like a glimpse into the future that we're going to meet soon or connect soon and maybe have a project together. But something, so when that person does appear in my reality, I will know that it. I already thought of them. So it builds even more trust within me. And I also, um, another thing is feelings. So I write down what I felt on that day. And I remember when I first started doing this, I would write down anxiety, gratitude, joy, shame, anger, everything. Um, but I was kind of ashamed of writing down everything. I thought, okay, I had to aim for feeling only positive emotions. But now I'm like, wow, look at all the complexity of all these feelings that we can feel every day. And all this, all this beautiful human experience that we're experiencing, everything, all of it, all of it is welcome here in, in, in this little tiny corner on this page. And when we welcome that, when we allow ourselves to look at it, 
it it doesn't it doesn't need as much attention anymore it 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 may dissolve in a moment the moment we look at it um so it really this simple exercise really helps tune into our senses and become more present with what we're experiencing daily because i think we may sometimes wait for some big day to experience some beautiful things and it's not a bad thing but my invitation is to see beauty and miracles in simple little things that are you you poured some coffee for yourself today or you made coffee for your loved ones or you just i don't know i was i was wearing um i wore i wore this dress today so i don't know it makes me appreciate this dress even more the next time i see it so and even if even when our mind is trying to look for some big things in the day it's it's okay you know and sometimes we we're feeling more inclined to notice bigger things and sometimes we see miracles in simple little tiny 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 things um so i think this would be number 2 and i would also add another one of my favorite things that i um that i invite people to do and it correlates to to your question and to this you know um method of choosing between the two options uh it's a com- it's establishing a conversation between your past self and your future self so basically our current self is our future self or our past self and by communicating with my past self often i am creating this i'm 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 creating this um neural pathway that my future self is always communicating with me so i can now receive messages from that future self so i write i start by writing a letter to my past self telling her that So, you know, I'm going tonight what I'm going to do is I'm going to write a letter to Karina from August 2019 and tell her that I just had a really beautiful conversation with Xenia. I we we just had this conversation for her podcast and it was amazing. I shared all these beautiful things that I wanted to talk about that were dear to me, that were important to me, and we were laughing and we were crying and some realizations happened and I'm going to thank her for um for having that idea and I'm going to reassure her that everything that she's believing now, everything that she wants to do, it there is a possibility for that to happen. So we're creating that connection to the past and then I can kind of imagine my future self and talk from her perspective back to my current self so that it establishes and 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 keeps um deepening this belief that there is a constant communication between our the versions of ourselves and the funniest thing is that all the separation disappears suddenly i am my past self here i am my current self i am my future self and we're all here we're all here and it, we all come back to this present moment where anything is possible and all the possibilities exist and i just i just love this so much and i think it's one of the one of the things that has helped um me the most um 
yeah, with all with all the things that I wanted to, to create in my life. And I always end design with mantras. Um, not not Sanskrit mantras, but I'm I'm inviting people to look at what they wrote. Um, and one of my favorite, again, I think I love everything about it. I keep saying one of my favorite, one of my favorite. I just, everything is my favorite. Um, I love working with the vocabulary. So I, um, I ask people to highlight the words that they used and the, the, the words that they would like to use in, in their life more um the, the the words that they would like to use to describe their ex- life experiences and based upon everything that they wrote down all the realizations that they had during the session i asked them to 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 write a mantra for themselves whether that a short sentence or a rhymed um, poem or four lines or hoku whatever that is um something memorable something that would stick and and something that would when they repeat it they would just keep reprogramming um their subconscious to towards more positive experiences so and and this is i think writing our own mantras and affirmations is a lot more powerful than seeing some on the internet and trying to apply them to our reality but using our own words and our tone of voice and our way of um, writing them is, is, is more believable to our um, conscious mind and our subconscious mind. A hundred percent. Wow. Karina, I'm re- writing down so many notes. I'm so excited to actually experience this because I often have this calling to journal, but I haven't found an ongoing system that excites me and I need to be excited. I'm a manifester. Mm. Like I need to be on fire about every single little thing I do. And it doesn't have to be anything dramatic. It just needs to be something that inspires me. And I'm really freaking inspired. I'm so right happy. Now. I'm going to be trying all of this. I had a whole vision of making a YouTube video with an outtake of you explaining this. So this is probably going to be like a five, 10 minute video. Anybody can watch if they are not sure where to start. But I also had a question for you, which is, do you have like a podcast episode or some place where you have shared this so that people who cannot attend your in-person community gatherings can experience this guided by you? Yeah, I actually do, um, I think a couple of episodes where I do that, but it's, they're all in Russian. So here we go. We just yeah. made it happen in English. Yeah. Uh, but yes, there there are a couple of yeah there's a couple of episodes where i lead people through the entire process and yeah we i think it's it's just so fascinating how this is so simple but we um for some reason do not allow ourselves to to sit with it and we can we can feel like it's going to take too much time but actually sometimes what we really need is to just sit down and maybe it's one minute or two minutes and sometimes that will be enough. I have a perspective that I think it's for a lot of people, it's not even the time commitment that scares them, Mm -hmm. but what they're going to hear. It's like truly being with yourself and hearing that guidance because it might be something 
that you've heard a million times and you've learned to suppress, right? but it keeps coming up and keeps coming up and there's no walking away from it because it's here and in front of you and in your journal now. So it's this profound invitation to be with yourself, to deal with your most inner sacred thoughts and the guidance that is always there. It's like, there's no time to put this off. I don't know why, but I've been like really present to the concept of death maybe because I am pregnant and I'm two whole people and two whole spirits and humans in one, like how trippy is that? Just thinking that makes me feel so connected to all of human experience. But that's the question I've been sitting with is if I die tomorrow, what are the things I would regret not having stepped into or expressed or shared? Mm -hmm. And I feel like these journaling prompts will be really helpful for me to be sitting with, especially in this pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing it on the plane. The plane is like my most sacred space. I love traveling. I love airports. Yes, I love picking my outfits for the airport. Mm -hmm. I love a cozy roll-on bag to like hold all of my snacks Uh, and waters and books and journals and camera. Yes, all of that. (laughs) And so the plane will be my sacred space where I will Mm -hmm. be digging into this. Yeah, that's so awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. And planes, that's also um, my favorite, one of my favorite places to journal. I always journal on the plane because it connects me to that feeling, you know, that death. I, I'm not on earth physically, you know, I'm somewhere just flying in the clouds. <laughs> how, how crazy, how crazy is that? And I get to journal in the clouds. And I feel like I, I receive so much guidance when I'm on a plane because I feel I feel um, more connected um, and I feel like it just comes easier. The guidance and everything and the clarity and suddenly I step when I when I get to step back on Earth again, I, I feel I feel more grateful to be here in the physical. So, yeah, that's a that's a great idea. Mm. So. You're 26 years old. Yes. You have released a poetry book, an album. You started a journaling movement. You've been in theater. You've directed plays. You have mentored other people in the theater. You've done so many things, and I'm sure there's like more that we haven't even touched on. And right now, you've told me before we started recording that you were in a massive phase of not sleeping at night. So I want to know what creations are moving through (laughs) you now, what's keeping you up at night, literally, and what's making you feel alive. (sighs) Yeah. um, I think I'm learning to surrender to the moments when I'm not getting the, the normal sleep and the nighttime has always been my favorite for writing, actually. And I I remember as a teenager, I actually started writing because I couldn't fall asleep. And I, I would stay up until early in the morning. And suddenly, some things were just clearer. And I think, for, for me, uh, the way I can explain this now is that I am very sensitive. Um, energetically to other people so I can receive a lot more clarity and downloads when other people are sleeping (laughs) and when I'm not feeling the energy of the city um, of all this noise and I can I can tune into what's present for me 
easier than during the day. So whenever I can't sleep, I receive it as an invitation to tune into the present moment even deeper. And for me, it's also um, an invitation to deepen my meditation practice or chanting practice because um, the early morning time, um, I find it the best time for meditation really and, and for chanting. So I've been, yeah, I've been experimenting with different mantras and I, re- I want to say that um, yeah, mantras have been a huge part of my life for the past two years, especially. And for about a year now, um, one of the mantras mantras I've been um, chanting is Mahamritunjaya Mantra, which is a Shiva mantra. And I was just chanting it and your message came. Your, the invitation to be on the podcast what came in you know the moment when I was chanting it. And this is this is um this was huge. Um whenever that happens when I'm in the spiritual practice and something shifts in my physical reality or something that I couldn't even dream of or imagine suddenly appears. It's it's a profound proof that the the time limitations they only exist in in our mind that i i may think that something is distant but actually through some silence and stillness it can appear right in front of me so um for me now um the, the creation okay so um i started writing um hopefully it's a second album and I've been incorporating mantras into the songs that I'm writing in English. So it's, oh, yeah. Yes, I'm yeah. so happy to hear that. The first moment you mentioned mantras in the beginning of this conversation, I'm looking, I have your Spotify page opened up here. I was listening okay. to your album earlier today. Mm-hmm. And I just keep seeing mantras next to your artist's name. So please continue. I'm so excited. Oh, yes. thank you. Yeah. So um, I'm about to record a song that's partially um, in Sanskrit. And I'm also um, planning to record an album or I don't know if they're gonna they're gonna want to be released as singles, but I'm gonna release my favorite mantras, the way I feel them and, and sing them. And yeah, so it's, 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 um, now it's a, a co-creation with something really ancient that wants to come through me in some modern way. And um, it's been almost a year since I've been doing a podcast. Um, and it's crazy. Um, the way I... <laughs> so my trailer and the first episode both were released on the 4th of July at 7, 7.04 p.m. So that's like a mirror, you know, four seven seven four, and that was a complete. That was completely accidental. I didn't plan to release it on that day. I just hit publish by accident. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. And it was released. And when I saw the numbers, you know, four seven seven four, um, I told my friends that you can't make this up. Like I. You just can't. It was supposed to be released that exact moment. 
So uh, July the 4th, I'm going to be celebrating the um, the first anniversary of my podcast. And I'm planning some activities that I'm going to do. And I started planning the second season, so the next year, because I definitely want to continue. It's been It's been my favorite thing to do this year, just connecting with all the beautiful human beings, having all these conversations, experiencing all the emotions, um, sharing it with people. It's it's definitely something that I want to keep doing. The formats change, some things change, but I also I just I just love it so much. I just love the podcast so much that um, I'm thinking how to make it even better at this point. And what's cool is that seven plus four is eleven, so it's eleven eleven, which is oh wow, angel okay. numbers through and through. Right, <laughs> right. Wow, I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for. Thanks for noticing. So as we wrap up, is there anything that I didn't directly ask you about that you feel called to share in the space? feel like the word trust just keeps coming up that we don't have to think through all the scenarios it's it everything that happens and whatever we're moving towards it's just so much better that we can't even imagine it. And I want to invite everyone to open, open up to that possibility and to trust that the reason why we can't find the right scenario in our head is because we can't even imagine how great it can get, how amazing it can be. And, and trust trust and surrender that's all that's required from us um but it's not something that we can come to once it just gets even deeper and deeper and that's the most beautiful thing about it that the depth it never ends this whole experience is just getting better and better and deeper and deeper and yeah i'm just so happy to be on this journey. And I'm so happy that I've gotten to be on your podcast. Thank you for holding space. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for being. I'm so happy that we got to connect in this magical way. This was so fun. Um, and if I can put one request for your next creations is maybe like a limited, at least a limited edition series of podcasts in English. Cause you have so much wisdom and you translate complex spiritual and healing concepts into human language. So beautifully, um, into this reality, into this existence. So I'm voting for some 
English episodes, maybe even like a separate podcast that's just English so people don't get lost kind of trying to filter through. Um, or maybe it's just on Spotify. Like you've released albums, you would know exactly how to do that. Release like limited edition episodes on Spotify. Um, and I'm so grateful you shared your voice and this whole spectrum of healing modalities and realizations and rememberings in this one conversation. So thank you for saying yes. Thank you for DMing me, sliding to my DMs. <laughs> I remember the first time you messaged me and I remember when you messaged me about your album. Um, and I've always felt like a special sparkle of a presence beyond the words in, in your energy. And it's just so beautiful to watch it blossom and more and more people will be touched by it. So um, I can't wait for the second album and the mantras and anything else that is moving through you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, uh, you. thank you so much, Ksenia. This conversation was a really meaningful full circle for both of us because this manifestation, this desire, this seed that Karina planted of being on my podcast years ago has come to fruition. And we were both buzzing. And as we got off the call, we kept DMing. Karina couldn't sleep until very late in the night. And we both could feel this space opening up. It's interesting how one full circle, one cycle comes to completion. The space that opens up from that for what's meant to come through next is so felt and so palpable. And that's one of the reasons I always love talking about reviewing what's on your creative shelf, what's on your dream shelf, and making sure that things that are there are actually still relevant and make you feel alive so that there's nothing stagnant. There's no old version of you dreams and expectations from other people kind of stuck clogging up your library of consciousness. Maybe that's something to journal on for you. Because once you clear that out, the space that is created and the way that spirit starts moving through your life in the most magical and unexpected ways is going to blow you away. Have a magical day and thank you for spending the sacred time with us.